can join me in prayer real quick. Just, uh, just ask the Holy Spirit uh, to intercede for us right now. So it's a prayer I do before every homily, but I just feel like as a father I want to express uh, in any of those prayers right now. So let's join me. It's a very simple prayer. I said it before. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Thank you. These words we hear today from Jesus should strike us to the heart, right? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Essentially the exact opposite of what our natural inclinations are. It goes on, right? To the person who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other one as well. I don't know about you. If someone strikes me on one cheek, I'm not offering another cheek. I'm either walking away, or in my younger days, or my angrier days, I'm putting my fist up, and I'm saying, let's go, right? But that's not what Jesus wants of us. Instead, he goes on to say what? As we continue to read from this, do not sinners do the same? If you love those who love you, do not sinners do the same? If you give to those who give to you, do not sinners do the same? Of course, we know that we are sinners. We know that we still have these natural inclinations and yet Jesus is telling us there should be a different way for someone who wants to follow me. Because remember, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his followers. And he's saying, if you want to follow me, don't only believe in me, but I want you to act like me as well. Of course, what does Jesus do? He loves his enemies. He does good to those who hate him. He blesses those who curse him, and he prays for those who mistreat him. Even on the cross, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He shows us this more perfect way, this more beautiful way, and oh, how we desire to be like him as well, but it's hard. It's hard sometimes because we get wrapped up in these natural inclinations. Or we get wrapped up in competitions or even saying, I'm going to get revenge on that person because they hurt me that one time. And yet as a Christian, as a Catholic, we know that we should be set apart. That's saying they should know we are Christians by our love, by our love. Do we actually do that or not? You know, there's a couple of examples we can look at. One's going to be a fictional example, and then we're going to go back to the scriptures, and we're going to look at a saint these next you know, couple of minutes. But I think they show examples of people that are full of love and another per- couple of people that are not full of love. When I was reflecting on these readings, a movie came to my mind, and it was a movie that I think most of us hopefully have seen. I believe it came out in 2011, and it's called Toy Story 3. Not to be confused with 1, 2, or 4, but number 3, and not to be confused with number 5, which is probably going to come out in about five years, right? 
And we know all those movies, what happens at the end of Toy Story, at least to adults, right? Sometimes we maybe get some tears in our eyes because, well, it's, it's always a good story. And it, it kind of reminds us of our own growing up or our own children, or our own parents, whatever it may be. Toy Story 3 tells a story of, you know, we have Andy who owns these toys, Woody and Buzz Lightyear and the Mr. Potato Head, right? And the dinosaur is one of my favorite characters, right? And sure enough, these toys, who, when, the, when Andy goes away, the, the, the human beings go away, they can talk to each other. So once again, it is a fictional movie, all right? I want to make sure we all know this, right? But in this, these toys get sent off essentially to, to a daycare center. And when they're there, they encounter a bear named Lotso. And Lotso's this beautiful looking bear. He's a little older now, he's walking with, with a cane. Uh, but Lotso is a, this, this kind of strawberry looking bear, maybe cherry looking bear. And he's he very pluffy. But as soon as all the uh, toys kind of get around him, he becomes very, very mean. So mean, by the way, that he wants these new toys to be hurt. So he sends them to the toddler room. Kind of like here at St. John the Baptist, Bogey knows, my dog knows to stay away from the children's house room. Our children's house is great, but they're a little bit too rough with Bogey, so he runs away. You can imagine how they're with toys, right? Well, in this movie, sure enough, all these toys are being destroyed, so they go to Lotso, who's kind of like the president of the toys or something like that, and they go to him and they say, there must be some sort of mistake, we're not supposed to be here, and he gets even meaner. We're going to fast forward through some of the movie here. Eventually, all the toys, you know, all these toys from Toy Story end up in a garbage bin, and Lonzo ends with them as well because Big Baby throws them in there, right? And sure enough, they're off on their way to the garbage dump, and they're there finally at, at, the, at, the, at, the, at the dump, and they're about to be going into this huge incinerator. And once again, Lonzo is trying to hurt all of these toys. But on the way to the incinerator... Woody figures out, and the other toys figure out, if they take some metal, a magnet's going to pick them up. And sure enough, they start doing this, but Lotso doesn't have any metal. So Woody reaches out, grabs Lotso by the hand, and he saves Lotso the bear. I realize how ridiculous it sounds, me preaching about this right now. Right? But he saves Lotso the bear, and sure enough, you think the movie's going to end, but of course it's not going to end, because I'm not crying quite yet, Right? And so sure enough, Lotso is saved. But then once again, another thing happens and they're in danger. They're about to now go into this huge crusher thing on this conveyor belt. And they push Lotso up the ladder so he can press the stop button. And Lotso looks down at the toys, looks at the stop button, and doesn't press it. Here is someone who just got saved, who people are trying to show love and mercy to, and he will not give it back. He's so wounded. He's so hurt. He wants them to be destroyed. By the way, the toys are saved, all right? The aliens come in and save them. And if you ever see a, a bear in front of a garbage truck, that bear is Lotso, by uh, the way. So, of course, we can see in here people that are being loving, Woody and Buzz Lightyear, and we can see people that are not being loving. Let's look at a more practical, maybe scriptural basis. We see this in our first reading today as well. Here we have Saul, and here we have David. And we know the story of David. David strikes down Goliath. He strikes down Philistine after Philistine. And people start singing his praises. David has struck down thousands upon thousands. 
And Saul has struck down hundreds of hundreds. And when Saul hears this, what happens? He becomes very jealous of David. So jealous, by the way, that he wants to kill him. Here is Saul, by the way, who's given his own daughter to David in marriage, by the way. And yet jealousy, these human emotions, overtaking them. And so we encounter this today in 1 Samuel, right? That we see that it almost seems like the Lord has given Saul into David's hand. This is what assistant says to him. God has delivered your enemy into your grasp this day. Let me nail him to the ground with one thrust of the spear. I will not need a second thrust. But what does David say? Do not harm him. Here is Saul, who wants to kill David. 3,000 men seeking him out. And yet David, the Lord's anointed, and by the way, Saul was the Lord's anointed, by the way, but obviously he turned away from that. David, the Lord's anointed, is letting the Lord overtake him. Trying to think not as human beings do, but as God does. So we fast forward now. We get to the scripture passage from today. The Sermon on the Mount with Luke. And once again, we hear these words and we can see David truly lived this out. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And once again, we know the person that lived this out the most was Christ. Christ did all these things for those in Palestine, those in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But God still does that for us today. He is full of mercy. He is full of compassion. And he continues to seek us out even when we turn away from him. Even when we do harm to him. He still is there full of love and full of forgiveness. How beautiful this is. And of course, we know this is how we're called to live our life as well. I think one of the most perfect examples of this is St. Francis. It's interesting, St. Francis is one of the most popular saints out there, at least in the top five for most people, I would say. And why is that? He lived so long ago. He lived in the late 1100s, early 1200s. And we know him as one of the greatest saints. We know his story more than most other saints' stories. And it's interesting, St. Francis is not only admired by Catholics, but Protestants, Lutherans, those who don't believe in saints, atheists, and even Muslims. Look at St. Francis as a perfect example of a human being. Why is that? It's because he was trying to be like Christ. Of course, we know St. Francis' story. He was in love with nature, and he talked to the birds and the, and the flowers of the field, which is true. He had a great love for nature. But St. Francis also had a great love for poverty. That's why he gave everything up. He had a great love for penance. He was known to throw himself into thorn bushes when he had certain inclinations so he could just kind of take those away. That's amazing. But he also had a great love for each and every individual that he encountered. Be it a majesty, be it royalty, be it the popes, be it lepers, or be it even those who were trying to kill Christians. In 1219, Pope, uh, not Pope, St. Francis asked uh, the Pope if he could go join the Crusades. And he wanted to go there not to go with a sword, 
But he wanted to go there to try to convert the Muslims. And Pope Innocent III allowed him to go. When Francis arrived in the Holy Land during his crusades, he was astonished to see the crusaders with the crosses on front of their armor doing some of the most sinful things he had ever seen. Some of the most selfish things he had ever seen. Not all of them, we know that, but many of them were there for very selfish reasons. We could even look back at the history of the church. We know the Crusades is a dark period in there. And yet Francis really wanted to go, not to kill anyone, not to harm anyone, but to love people. And so he begged that he could go to the front line. He said, if you go there, you know that the sultan, if he sees a Christian, will behead you. He'll have you beheaded. And Francis says, I'm not worried about that. So they let Francis, one of his companions, go to the front lines. And he got there, and he was crying out, Sultan, Sultan. And eventually these people are saying, who is this man who is crying out, wanting to see the Sultan? And so they brought him to the Sultan, Malik al-Kamil. And when he got there, this is what St. Francis said to him. I am sent not by men, but by the Most High God, to show you and your people the way of salvation by announcing to you the truths of the gospel. He didn't come there with a sword. He didn't come there yelling at them. He came there with love and trying to announce the good news of Jesus Christ. The sultan was astonished at Francis's poor appearance and that there was something about him that intrigued him. Something so much that he continued to have audiences with St. Francis. He invited St. Francis to stay there in the Holy Land with him. Francis responded, I'm only going to stay if you convert to becoming a Christian and leave the Prophet Muhammad behind. He even challenged him. He said, you start a fire, I'll walk through that fire, and if any of your priests or imams will walk through it, we'll see who the true God is. The sultan shook his head. He goes, I'm not doing that. That seems ridiculous. And he also was a little afraid. What could happen? But it inspired the, the sultan so much that even after Francis left, he still thought about him. It's interesting now. If you've been in the Holy Land, you know that all the churches there are ran by the Franciscans, even 800 years later. And it's only the Franciscans who have permission to be in the Catholic churches there. Because they saw in St. Francis, yes, someone who was trying to convert them, but also someone who was full of love. Not trying to destroy his enemy, but instead trying to love them, pray for them, care for them, and see in them truly a brother and sister created by God. Don't you think that's what the world needs right now? How often can it be we turn on the news and we see an opposing side that may be what we believe and what can stem up inside of us our natural inclinations? But is that what Christ wants us to do? Is that what Christ is asking of us? Is that what he would do? That old question. What would Jesus do? He would love his enemy. He'd pray for those who mistreat him. He would bless those who curse him. Can we do the same? It's hard. We have to acknowledge that. 
but it's possible when we let Christ truly live through us. And we can acknowledge the mercy that he gives each and every one of us, the love that he gives each and every one of us, the grace he gives each and every one of us. And so today, let's be like St. Francis. Let's be like Christ. And truly let Christ live through us and be a Christian, someone who not only believes in Christ, but tries to act like Christ as well.